Whereas the first parak, the first chapter, was focused on the different ways that one of the seven liquids that have the ability to cause hechsher to food, hechsher is when the food becomes fit to become tome as a result of becoming wet. And the first parak discussed different cases and ways that the food might come into contact with those liquids for hechsher to be caused and the food to become fit to become tome. The first half of this parak, this chapter, is concerned more with the liquid that has the ability to cause the hechsher. Merchot's tomeya, if there is a bathhouse which is filled with tommy water, the also tomeya, it's moisture and steam which evaporates from the actual water in the bathhouse is also considered to be tome. The Mishnah is really telling us two things. Firstly, that we look at that steam as also being a form of water, and so that moisture, if it goes onto a food item, would make it fit to become tome, which we call muchshor le kabel and as well as that, we see from this Mishnah that we consider the steam to be the same substance. It doesn't lose its impurity, and it's considered to be like the water itself was tome, which means that the food that becomes moist as a result of this steam will not only become mushal kabel toma, but actually it will become tome simultaneously since it has contact with a tome liquid. Utahira, and if the liquid, the, the water that was in the bathhouse was pure, then the food that becomes moist as a result of that steam, bechidutan, it would become mukhshar, lekabel tuma, it would become fit to become tome, however, it wouldn't yet be tome, since the moisture with which it had contact is pure. Now, one of the conditions for hechsha to be caused is that the person be pleased with one of two things. Either he needs to be pleased with the fact that the food became wet, or he needs to be pleased with the fact that that liquid left and was detached from its source. So, for example, when it rains, the rain until now was contained within the clouds. When it begins to rain, that's when it is leaving its previous form, its source, essentially. If the person is happy about that, even if he's ultimately not happy about the food becoming wet, it would still be sufficient to cause hechsher. The reason why the Mishnah in this case assumes that the owner is pleased with the steam is because it creates a sort of sauna in the bathhouse. On the other hand, if there is a pool of hot water inside a house, the owner is not necessarily pleased about that steam, and therefore if the walls of the house become moist as a result of that steam, only in Tameya, if the water of the pool is Tommy water, so then the moisture that is on any part of the house as a result of the pool, the steam that came from the pool, that water would be considered tome, and it would be able to create hechsher, because tome water doesn't need to have the owner pleased about it. If it's tome water, it has the ability to cause hechsher even without the owner being pleased. But if the water itself was not tome, then that water, the steam, the moisture, wouldn't even have the ability to cause hechsher, since the owner wasn't pleased about that liquid. If there are two pools inside of a house, one is pure, and it doesn't even have the ability to become tome. For example, it's a natural pool of water attached to the ground, and one of the pools is tome water. A wall of a house, or an item that is in the house, that becomes moist, if it is nearer to the tommy pool, then we assume that the moisture that is on it 
mostly at least came from the Tomei pool of water, and therefore Tomei, that item would now be Tomei. If the item was nearer to the pure pool that doesn't even have the ability to become Tomei, then we assume that the majority of the moisture that is on that item came from the pure pool, and Tohar, the item would remain pure. If it is halfway in between the two pools, then we assume that half of the moisture is Tomei, half of it is Tahar, and therefore Tomei, the item would actually become Tomei, because the Tomei moisture wasn't nullified. In general, the majority of a mixture nullifies the rest of the mixture, and we consider it all to be like the majority. But over here that it's half-half, so none of it is nullified, which means that Tommy Moisture has touched this item, and it would therefore make the item Tommy. And just by the way, one can ask the question in general, if Tohar water touches Tommy water, the Tohar water becomes Tommy. So we're no longer left with half the water being Tommy, half of it being Tohar. Surely it should all be Tommy. The answer is, since this water came from a natural spring that never even have the, had the ability to become Tomei, and the steam has the same status as the pool from which it came, so it doesn't even have the ability to become Tomei, and that's why that water actually remained pure unless it is nullified by the, by the majority. The continuation of this Mishnah brings similar examples of a majority defining the overall status of an item. The law with regards to metal utensils is that if it becomes Tomei and then it breaks, So once the utensil is broken, it can't be used anymore, it's pure. However, if somebody repairs that metal or he makes it into a new utensil, as soon as it once again does have a useful function, it would revert to being Tomei again. Based on this, the Mishnah says, Basil Tomei Shabilolim Basil Tahar, a piece of iron or metal that came from a utensil that was Tomei, and then it was melted down, and it was mixed together with metal or iron that came from a utensil that was always pure. And then they made it into a new utensil, Imrovena Tomei, if the majority of the metal that makes up this new item came from the metal that was Tomei originally, then Tomei, this new metal item, would be considered Tomei, the Imrovena Tahar. But if the majority of that metal came from the utensil that was always pure, then Tahar, this new utensil is considered to be pure because the status follows the majority of the metal. If it's half-half, Tomei, that item would also be Tomei, because even if part of it is Tomei, that's enough. It's just that if there is a majority that's pure, so it would nullify the Tomei part. But to the extent that there isn't a majority of pure metal, so the Tomei metal is not nullified, which means that that utensil is going to be considered Tomei. Third example of the Mishnah, Earthenware types of bowls that are used for Jews and non-Jews to urinate into them. The urine of a non-Jew is considered to be Midrabonon Tomei, and the Mishnah says in Roman Tomei, if the majority of the urine that is inside that bowl is Tomei, it came from a non-Jew, then Tomei... All of that urine will be considered Tomei, but if the majority of the urine in there came from pure people, Jews, Tahar, then all of it will be pure because it would nullify the Tomei liquid. And the truth is, this is a bit difficult to understand because in this case, surely the pure urine should just become Tomei. Urine which comes from a Jew, although it's not Tomei, it definitely can become Tomei if it touches a Tomei source. So surely all of the urine now just became Tomei. We're no longer left with a majority that's pure, because even the pure urine became Tomei by touching the impure urine. The answer is that since anyway, the fact that the urine of a non-Jew is Tomei is a stringency midrabonon, they were lenient and they said that the urine itself is Tomei, but it doesn't make other things Tomei. And this is indeed a unique type of decree midrabonon with regards to Tomei.
If it is half-half, then Tome, that urine will be considered Tome because the Tome urine is not nullified. Next example of the Mishnah, water that is poured out after being used, possibly for washing up clothes. It's water that is now dirty and it's being poured out. And in general, such water, we are concerned that it is Tome. Since no one really wants that water, they're not going to use it, so they're not careful to ensure that it doesn't become Tome. And because of that, there is a concern that indeed it is Tome. If it rains onto this water, there's now a mixture of rainwater that is certainly pure in terms of itself, and this water that we are concerned is Tome. If the majority of the water there is this dirty water that we consider to be Tome, then Tome, the entire mixture of water is Tome. If the majority is from the pure water, since it is natural water, it's rainwater, it cannot even become Tome, and the pure water, which is the majority, would nullify the impure water, and Tohar, it would all be considered pure. If it's half-half, so that means that the Tome water is not nullified, and it is a part of the mixture, and to the extent that it is not nullified, so this mixture is considered to be Tome, it's impure because it contains Tome water, and it's all mixed together, so there's not really any way of touching the water without touching the Tome part. Now, the Mishnah adds an important point. Amosai, when is this true? Specifically in a case where the dirty water was in the container first, and then it rained into that container, on top of that water. In such a case, the person is not pleased about the rainwater falling into the container. That rainwater is going to go to waste now, it's going to get dirty as well. And the owner is not pleased about that water, and that's why it does not have the ability to become Tomei. However, if there was first rainwater there, in general, a person is pleased with rainwater falling into a container. If it's not going to get dirty, he'll be able to use it for something. So then, even if there's only a tiny amount of Tomei water that falls into it, since the rainwater was there before the dirty Tomei water was there, that means that even the pure water is able to become Tomei because he was pleased about it being there when it first arrived in that container. And since that water can become Tomei itself, so as soon as it has any contact with the Tomei dirty water, it itself will become Tomei. And then certainly there's no, there's no pure water left to nullify the Tomei water. It is all Tomei, it's all impure. One who spreads tar or plaster on his roof. And what they would do after putting the actual tar on the roof, they would apply water on top of it to smoothen it and flatten it, make sure it was straight. Or in a second different case, one who washes his clothes, the dirty water in both of these cases is considered to be Tomei, out of concern that we're not cons- that people don't ensure to protect it from Tomas, since they're not really interested in using this water again. And meanwhile, it starts raining onto that water until eventually the water starts dripping down from the roof or dripping down from wherever the clothes are being washed. And the question is, what is the status of that water? If the majority of the water is the dirty Tommy water, so then we consider it to be Tommy. But if the majority of it is the pure rainwater, that cannot become Tommy. And since it's the, the majority of the mixture is pure, so Tahar, all of it will be considered pure, because the Tommy water is nullified by the Tahar water.
if it's half-half, so that means that the tommy dirty water cannot be nullified, which means it still exists, it's still a part of this mixture, which means that tommy, we consider it to be tommy, because a part of that mixture is tommy water, and we consider sort of every particle of that water to be partly tommy. Okay, the Mishnah continues on the theme of following the majority, although the next few Mishnahs don't have a direct connection to the topic of the Masechta. A city in which Jews and non-Jews live. And there was a bathhouse that was running on Shabbos. It's forbidden to heat up water or to even bathe in hot water on Shabbos. And the law is that one is not allowed to benefit from an activity that was performed by a non-Jew on behalf of a Jew on Shabbos, if it is something that is forbidden for a Jew to do. And not only is it forbidden to benefit from such an activity on Shabbos itself, it is also forbidden to benefit from it after Shabbos ends for the amount of time that it would take you to perform that activity. The reason for this rabbinic decree is so that one doesn't come to directly request that a non-Jew perform a f- activity for him on Shabbos that he's not allowed to do. That is certainly forbidden. The decree is in a case where the non-Jew does it of his own accord. Even in that case, it is forbidden to benefit from that which he did so that one doesn't come to ask the non-Jew to do it for him another time. So the Mishnah says, in Rov Nochrim, if the majority of the people who live in that city are non-Jews, then we assume that the owners of the bathhouse heated up the water and kept the bathhouse running with the majority of the city in mind, the non-Jews. Which means that as soon as Shabbos goes out, Rochit Miyad, it is permitted to bathe in that bathhouse immediately because the non-Jews who heated up the water did not do so on behalf of the Jews. However, if the majority of the city is Jewish, then the people who heated up the bathhouse did it on their behalf. Which means that he needs to wait on Motsi Shabbos for enough time, the amount of time that it takes to heat up the water, so that it's not considered to be benefiting from that which the non-Jew did. If it's half-half, there are half-Jews, half-non-Jews in the city, then it's assumed that the people who heated up the bathhouse did it on behalf of both of them, all of the people of the city, and therefore one needs to wait for enough time that it takes to heat up the water on Motsi Shabbos, because at the end of the day, the people who heated up the bathhouse did it on behalf of the Jews as well. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, even in the last case, Bambati Katana, if it is a small bathhouse, in Roshus, and there is a government official or officer who lives in that city, he lives nearby and he uses that bathhouse, even if there are the majority or half of the city are Jews, that's not considered to be relevant, because either way, they would make sure to heat up the bathhouse so that it will be available for this official. And then for you would be able to bathe in such a bathhouse immediately at the end of Shabbos, because it's not considered to have been heated up on behalf of the Jews.